Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 410. My name is Brando. Welcome to the podcast. I'm honored. Mr. Lejean Witherspoon, how are you, sir? I am fantastic. Uh, it's nice to talk to you this morning. Uh, very excited about the new release of the album and everything that's been going on with it. And thank you for taking the time to have us on the show. It's 14th studio album, right? And yes, yes. It's just... It's all full circle. When I started in in radio, I'm 20 years plus into this, and I started in college playing one of the the things behind you, the plaques behind you, Animosity on college radio. Yes. Right right above you. So I'm just... Yes, Animosity. (laughs) I'm curious. You have so many behind you to keep track of. (laughs) I guess I'm curious as it comes out, like all these years what is the, what are the feelings of making a new album is it a pure excitement are there nerves to release these babies so to speak into the world what's a, a process for you 14 years 14 albums i should say into this it's like, for, i think the pandemic really made it more exciting for us to work together because we were apart for so long that when we got in the studio it was like ah, this is what we do oh my god it was taken away from us for so long you know uh and not to be in the presence of the family that support the music too was a weird thing. So I feel like we put all that energy into Truth Killer, uh, and then the expectation of what it would be like. The energy's there. I feel you know what I mean. And it's uh, it's proven when we just went out on that last tour with Alter Bridge. It's uh, it's definitely a, a, a contagious energy in the air. Not like the sick energy before. It's like just <laughs> it's everyone's excited about being able to be together at a concert. They're there at nine o'clock in the morning and, uh, you know, standing outside the bus in front of the venue to make sure that the first people in line. It's exciting, man. It's it, it makes me look forward to getting back out there on the road and in, in lieu of this uh, new album, man. And, and just, you know, not only playing the new songs, but just playing songs that, that uh, get people through things. And you made a, a point, and I felt that when I returned to concerts that's in this new post-pandemic uh, world, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy just to be out there and experience what we didn't realize how much we would miss so do you think it's a different oh, yeah. feeling than it used to be pre-pandemic oh, yeah. in that world oh yeah definitely i mean i don't know how long it's gonna last but right. it's definitely a you know what i mean it's definitely a like just a every it's like a bunch of kids just i mean just excited and just I mean, you cannot deny the energy man and uh it's just time to get back out there and get to work uh get on the road and uh and be out there with the family and it's uh you know the altar bridge mammoth tour i've been looking so forward to that and then also the dope and Static X in October. I'm like, this is just going to be a good, you know, it's going to be a, a couple of good runs. I know. That's exciting with Alter Bridge. And I've been lucky to see uh, Mammoth. I've had Miles Kennedy and Wolf on the podcast <sighs> before. Great dudes. Great. Uh, oh, man, we've grown up, grown up with them. So it's, this is just a family affair tour when we get out here together. It's going to be great. No, uh, just all family affair? No no pranks at this point in your career? Oh, no, we don't. Oh, no, we we. Yeah, we were never the pranking band, man. Maybe we did that one time because someone did that to us. And uh, that that had to be like in our very beginning of the career. But I remember, uh, was it some one time somebody put 
with this, the Nixons maybe it was a flower and all that stuff on the stage. Like, oh God, man, <laughs> messed up my outfit. Get out of here. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you got time for this. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's an easy question, I guess, but it's the first track. I just was listening to uh, the album. Actually, it's, it's funny because I was talking off the air briefly. My wife's feeding my three month old off screen and I, and I do because I'm working from home for the most part and I'm, uh-huh. and I'm listening to Truth Killer holding him he wasn't crying so that means he likes uh-huh. it he wasn't crying oh, but good. the first track really kind of lulled him to sleep a little bit but me it got me awake and I, I would I want to hear because it's a little different than the rest of the album mm-hmm. kind of sets it the I might let the devil win so can you yes. can you talk about that lyrically and also the yeah, approach to that, that song I, I, I think the approach we were afraid, you know, people. You know, it wasn't afraid. I think we're in our career, the, at the position in our career, we felt like we could release a song like that on the be the first song, the first song on the album, because uh, we've done everything heavy, we've done it. You know, right. uh, we're not afraid of those guys. We're not afraid of those guys. Who are like, it ain't heavy enough, man. You know, it don't sound like Nisa. You know, who cares about that? You know, we we have a catalog. We, we've grown musically. Uh, I feel like it was amazing that Clint was able to tap into that nine inch nail side. Mm. And to me, uh, might let the devil win is such a, it's probably to me, and this is my opinion, it's one of our heaviest songs. <laughs> so it made sense the way you said it put the baby to sleep, but it got <laughs> you going. Yeah. To me, that song puts me in the sense of when you go to see the symphony or something play like that. And people are all, mm-hmm, and you, got these people up here ripping and you know what i mean it's the same kind of effect it's just people uh i guess accepted in different ways but i'm happy i feel like uh when we did this in uh i okay so this uh, i'm gonna answer the question so i removed myself from the album i don't listen to it until it comes back out so i won't listen to the whole album until friday okay wow. uh but uh because i feel like i like to to re- relive it again in the moment with everyone else so we even when we did the two days of certain i think maybe a thousand or so people got to hear the seven us album uh you know in orlando i went out a couple of times just to see the response and uh, may let the devil uh, might let the devil win was actually one of the songs that i wanted to see the response i just couldn't wait and it was so cool to watch people kind of and watch their faces and then be standing up by the end of the song and i was like okay this is what we want to happen, you know, not to think that people are like scratching their head like this don't sound like something seven us do. But this sounds like something they're 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 just growing as artists. And I feel like that was something we were painting the pictures of us not being afraid to to show different sides of our musical ability. Even though you say like different sides to your ability, what I find really fascinating and truthful when I just go on, whether it's not even just your Facebook page or Twitter, mm-hmm. page, your pages, but just YouTube uh, general, it's it's Seven Dust is consistently good, consistently great, and underrated. Do you feel that way? Do you get that sense where you know? Have you? Has there been an album maybe you thought you fell off, or do you feel like you've been consistent? Everything's on an upward. Trajectory? Oh yeah, I feel like yeah. I don't think we fell off. Fell off. I think we I fell think off so either with Blood and Stone only because we weren't able to tour it. Oh, but she okay. still charted and stuff, you know. And it was the pandemic, so we couldn't tour. But that that sucked for us to be here, like. But it was cool to get that in the mail, even though we went out there working. Uh, uh, okay, it's okay. I guess we still are in the music industry, even though we're not ever going back out, it seems like. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
that was a very hard time. But uh, I, I feel like the setup for this is good for this new Truth Killer, and just everything seems like it's it's flowing. The energies in the air, the seems like the planets are aligning right, and it's uh, I'm just ready to get back out there. I, you know what? When you just talked about the baby again, I want to tell you something else that hit me that was so profound. So. This summer has probably been the best summer for me with my family, not having to be out on the road and everything and, and actually being able to be home with them and spend that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been going to the lake a lot. Just, you know, get ready to close it down this weekend before I fly out Saturday. But uh, my best friend, and she looked at me and she was like, you know, uh, we only have 18 summers with them. Mm. And I never, I never thought about it like that until she said it that way. And I was like, what? Do you, what? She's like, yeah, you know, it's like the kids, 18 summers. And I was like, dang it, that's scary. To, you know, just to look at it in that sense. And I was, I never really, and she's like, yeah, Jada's going to be 18 in a few years and she'll probably want to do her own thing. And I was like, that's right. You go into the lake with us, no matter if you don't want to or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so I'm just trying to make sure that I utilize all that precious time with them because they grow so fast, man. Oh, that is to true. enjoy that baby boy. That's true. This is the first summer of eighteen summers. That's all we got of there, of, of him. There wow. you go. Oh God! Now I'm depressed. Thank you, LJ. Yeah. No, this, no, no, no. But then one of my old buddies that's like sixty years old. He's like, I told him the story too it the other day at the at our favorite little bar that I go to, and we sit. It's called the Coinage of Knowledge, and uh, it's a bunch of old dudes. And he said, "Well, that's some bullshit right there." He said, "You try to tell that to my thirty year old and my twenty six year old." <laughs> I get some brothers like oh. that, so you know what? Yeah, there you go. that's funny. Yeah. So at, at this, I'm sorry, get off I love that. At this stage of your life, then, what are you looking like lyrically? What motivates huh? you lyrically to you know? What's inspiring you and that, what inspires this like this? Yeah, the kids, my wife, life, the pandemic, realizing that I'll be fine not to ever talk to a whole bunch of motherfuckers in my life ever again. <laughs> you know right. What I mean? Right. <laughs> I, feel that way I mean, I don't ever have to see, look, have a drink, speak. I'm fine. I'm 50 years old, and I just mm. realized that you're that bad of a person. We're good. You know what I mean? Uh, life is too short to uh, to live that way. So I just try to stay positive. Uh, I definitely feel the temperature has gone up in the world. And you have to stay aware and stay cautious of that, but not be afraid. And just try to try to move in with the. Uh, just try to keep moving. That's what I'm doing in life. And I try to keep my kids and focus on that too, as well. Uh, so yeah, it's just crazy. Life is crazy. And, and as we get older, man, you start learning more about things. And, uh, I, I, I look forward to the future. You know, I'm, I'm very excited about signing this. Re- I forgot the days of signing a record deal were completely over. And then Napalm comes around. Mm. Now we have five videos. I do. I've been doing international press and press for like the last two months, day, all day. And it's been incredible to 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 be back in that that portion of the machine, because that lets you know that something is happening. You know, somebody's somebody's listening. Oh, God, why am I talking to you? Why am I on a Zoom with you in Portugal? Obviously, we're getting ready to come back over there or something. You know what I mean? And it's just been a, a very good experience to feel like it was back in the day. You know, that things are opening up again. And it's just exciting. How do you keep your voice in in shape? Because it takes a lot to do these tours, but obviously uh-huh. on top of that, the singing. You are the one of the most soulful voices, and you're still. Oh, thank you. You sound just like you did in the late '90s here. You know. Oh, wow. So, how do you keep your voice in in, in shape? And do you do any uh, exercises or anything like that? Yeah, I, 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 I smoke uh, weed. Nah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what, man? Uh, D, Ronnie James, Ronnie James Dio, one of those guys. Everyone was like, man, just sing and do your thing. He's like, all oh, that. 
like, like, like all that stuff. You know, I'll do my vocal warm ups before, you know. I'll sing a song or two, I'll drink water, then I'll do a shot. Uh, but my most important thing is to rest. You don't, you know, you don't have to, I don't have to burn it all the way down. You know what I mean? I just, I, I know myself and I know moderation uh, with anything in life. And so I just, I just try to stay, you know, I try to stay healthy and stay in shape, you know, uh, that's it. I, I, that, you know, I think it's, it's in you. It's a mind thing too. And, uh, and seven dust, man, it's always to us been a sport. Uh, on that stage, you know, we we feel like athletes as well as artists up there, you know, maybe not as much now, but, <laughs> you know, it's always been something where we get up there and we put everything into it. If you're not leaving hurt and you're not doing it right. So it's uh, it's it's cool. I got gotcha. you. And I know you have a ton of interviews today and I want you to get that rest. So uh, I don't want to be here. Oh, guess what? I got to get I still got to pack for the tour. Uh, OK, then we're leaving for the lake tomorrow. Uh, it's just I got to fly out Saturday. I'm not ready for anything. So we got to fine. Well, right on. <laughs> Well, you may have noticed uh, the name of the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. It's a twist yeah. of GNR. That's uh, what I was going to say. Is that, a, is that I was going to ask you about that behind you. I thought I saw. Oh, yeah, I got, I got a whole, I got a bunch of things behind me. The Sweet Child, the Mind book that one day I'll okay. read to him. You know, um, very I, cool. I do have my cat. I don't know if you've noticed. I do have my cats in in uh, like outfits. I saw. You see those oh. ads on Facebook where That's you can put like a picture awesome. of your pet in some like paint oil painting. Yeah, yeah. You got that done. I got that done. <laughs> I'm not. That's cool. awesome. You have you have three kitties. Uh, I did. Now it's two. Now it's two. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's. I can see. I got two dogs. There's one. Prince is sitting right there in the living room. That's my best buddy. He watches TV. Uh, he's a bad, good dog. He's only a year old, and he barks at everything on the TV, from uh, the Geico thing to uh, any dog, squirrel, turtle, anything like that is getting chased down in the. In the <laughs> Well, I'm lucky because some of them, like, they'll bark at me. I know it's a cat, but they'll bark at me when they need food. And sometimes oh. they, might, they might come over right next to me, but not not yet, not to, not, not the, at this oh. moment. But this is what I have oh. behind me because I'm not like you. I don't have, you know, gold and platinum records and all that cool oh, stuff to no, bark no. me. So this, so this is my bark in here, man. This is like, so I call this, no one comes in here really with me. Well, the kids will come in here once in a while. But this is like the old museum of... Let's see. I'm trying to go around of collectible stuff that oh, yeah. I have from all oh, over. jukebox from all, all the that's over there is probably about a hundred or so coins from soldiers from around the world. Excuse it, right here. It's a mess right now. Well, that's okay. Uh, this right here, I call my I call myself a mantiker. Uh, I made that word up. <laughs> uh, this is a globe. I think it's it's the one of the ones that has the first light bulb in it. Oh wow. That that was a gift from if you ever know the DJ here in Kansas, Johnny Dare. Okay. Uh, he's got a syndicated show, whatever. So my wife surprised me for a surprise birthday party, fiftieth birthday party in Nashville at the end of the Seven Dust tour, and about ninety of our closest friends from around the world were there, and they kept a secret for uh, three months. I was like, "You guys are a bunch of fucking liars." Wow. As far as Australia, people were there. I mean, it was crazy. But this is one of the coolest gifts I got besides everybody showing up. It says, uh, a man's friendships are one of the best measures of his worth. Happy 50th, LJ. Well, now you look at it. It's a whole iron case, right? Uh -huh. This lights up. It's the picture of me. And, uh, that's Johnny Dare, and that's Jeremy Dixon, one of my best buddies, too. This is a 50 caliber. This is a 50 caliber Desert Storm pistol desert eagle pistol that i got for my 50th birthday damn with this case and i was like what in the heck 
are we doing after we walked outside to get in our Uber and I'm carrying this? I'm like, are we going to get arrested? <laughs> oh, no. We're on Broadway and I'm like, I have a 50 caliber gun <laughs> in a case. What are we doing? Well, I'm glad you're you're okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. So yeah, that's I'm sorry. That's just one of the man caves in here, man. But it's fun to come in here, and you get to look at all the the seven dust history, and you find stuff that you're like, oh my god, I forgot about that. And well, let's talk know, how, about that seven dust history. I don't mean to, to cut you off because I know I only do have a few more minutes. But speaking yeah. of guns, though, uh, yeah. I use a six degrees of GNR bacon if I'm not away, you know, to to connect the artist with Guns N' Roses just to see yeah. if there is one. I'm not sure. Maybe you could tell me. But I got this yesterday when I announced that you were coming on. This is from uh, guitarist Chris Weber, who was in uh-huh. Hollywood Rose with Axel and Izzy before GNR. And he was also in... No a, way. Yeah. He also he wrote uh, Anything Goes, co-wrote Anything Goes off of Appetite. And no way. He was in a band called UPO. And mm-hmm. he, he said that UPO toured with Seven Dust in early 2000, Great group of guys. Guitarists were airborne almost their entire set. And uh, we were also on the Tattoo the Earth Festival with them, too. Man, there were some good times. So, any Oh, my ma- God. I remember that. Yeah. So that's a, that's, a, that's a six degrees of GNR bacon. But I guess speaking of if you have one, I don't know if you've ever met Slash or if you've been to a GNR concert. If just a, yeah. a generic con- uh, question would be, where were you when Appetite came out? That's oh, my God. What year was that? 1987. It was just a. Th- oh my God. I think I was working at Hardy's. Hardy's. And uh, it was a summer, and I was getting ready to be in a band, Body and Soul. And uh, yeah, we were listening to Appetite and all that. And then I remember meeting Slash a couple of times. One of, was, was the first time was it was he in, uh, what was the other band Slash was in? Velvet Revolver? Yep. Hung, yeah, met him then. But I do remember when him and Miles were going over. Was a Snake Pit, maybe? Yeah, there was a slash of Snake Pit as well. And I think I don't know if Miles was singing with that or something else. But we were all going to uh, Australia, and it was funny because they were up in the first class, and I was walking by, and I remember, remember seeing Slash, and he was drinking coffee. And it's a true story. And he had the mirror shades on, mm-hmm. and I was talking to Miles, was sitting right beside him. I was like, Oh man, Miles, we're hugging and stuff. And I didn't want to bother Slash, but as I walked by, I could see that his eyes were like this right here, looking out of the side of the sunglasses. <laughs> so it was funny. But, I, you know, man, I've heard that he's incredible. He's done all his work, you know, a lot of the work with Elvis, the producer that we work with. And it's just really cool to come in after Slash had been there. And, you know, you see, like, uh, I could tell you a story. He's like, uh, he has to get a new uh, chair because Slash plays a lot. He'll put his knee in the leather chair and just rocking okay. and just imagine the indention after, <laughs> after slash has been recording and this you know it's pretty amazing That's stories funny. that you get to hear i'm like oh wow so yeah but i don't know him like miles and those guys know him but you know i've definitely had to, i've had the chance to adopt him and say hello i never met anyone else in the band uh definitely not axel uh but that'll be something but i've been to a concert and, and been right there our tour bus actually pulled up to one uh, and Eddie Gowan, our old tour manager, was tour managing uh, them for a while, and so he was able to get us in the show. When Amazing was, show. When was that? It's been it's been several years ago. That was definitely before the pandemic. Uh, I don't even know was he was that when he was hurt in a chair? It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, he was in the chair. Oh, okay, that's cool. Because mm-hmm. I was curious just to uh, uncover because you have a soulful voice and Slash mm-hmm. has a soulful playing and. 
even we mentioned uh, just off offhand uh, Slash's Snake Pit, where you have a similar voice to Rod Jackson, I, I I think. Oh wow! To the the second record, so I just thought like you never know. Slash plays with everybody, so I was just curious. I would that- love to jam with Slash, man. I think that would be awesome. I'd love to just mm-hmm. I'd love to know you know meet him like you know on a on a personal personal level, like you know, man, I've loved you and I've grown up to to your stuff, and I love everything that he does. You know, it's incredible, especially what Emmy Miles do too. It's amazing that uh, he's got so much talent. And I love that commercial that he's in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you got it. <laughs> he's in a lot of commercials. But let's let's flip that then because of Miles. Uh, also because Mammoth, WBH, uh, has yeah. opened up for GNR. What's the most uh, thing? What's the thing that you're most excited for this this tour? Just to be out in front of everybody, to play the new yeah, songs, that, and this, yeah, to be out there, and also be out there with Wolfie and Mammoth and Alter Bridge. Like I said, this is they're, they're family with us, and uh, it's just going to be a good time, a good summer for us to be out there with good music and a lot of good folks that are ready to get some good music. And uh, it's fun. I, I just I, I I can only imagine how much fun we're going to have when we get out of here. What do you think? Because this is a a, a trend, a trending story that goes around a lot. I know it doesn't get to, doesn't affect you at all, but backing vocals. There are bands that use backing tracks. None of that with Seven Dust. I can't even imagine that with Seven Dust. Well, no, you know, there's de- definitely not backing tracks, but there's definitely samples and stuff that you which is fine that you hear. You know, there's nobody. We're not running like one, two tape, and you know, all of a sudden you hear me singing and stuff. No, that's never happened. We've always what would we say? F it, let's do it live. That's how you got to go. We, we run. They're live, man. There's some nights where, and when I talk about like Axel or other lead singers, as somebody who is not musically talented, just the way I look at it, I'm a sports guy. I look at sometimes mm-hmm. like a like a pitcher. You could be an ace pitcher, but some nights your curveball isn't breaking. Your face. Oh breaks. yeah, some nights. So some nights, some nights it may, yeah. Some nights you might have to not sing it the exact way that you. You might have to change the register. You might have to change the note to a lower note where. You feel comfortable. You know. You know your voice. You know what I mean. At this mm-hmm. point, you know your body. You know what you can do. You know. Uh, you know it's so funny. But for for years and years, and I still do it, and the guys know it. You know, after a show, you could be in the bunk, and it could be completely silent, and you could hear me say, <laughs> just to check it. You know what I mean? I'm checking my instrument. You know what I mean? I'm making sure that it's no gravel. If there is, and then I'm worrying about it, I'm thinking about it, I need to drink some water. What do I need to do to make sure that, okay, I got how many more hours before I have to do it again, and I know how I feel right now. And, you know, I'm checking it for myself. <laughs> so that's something I do, and I've, I've done that for years just to make sure that, hey, we're ready. Oh, I love that. Uh, anything, mm-hmm. was it hard to whittle down? Because it's with 12 new tracks for us. Did you have more written, uh, perhaps? Yeah, it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's, it was hard to whittle down some stuff. It's always, it's always like, ah. At the end of the studio, you're like, oh, man, is that you sure we're not going to put that on there? Is it good? You're like, oh, no, let's do this one, and then we'll just put those on a B-side somewhere and see what happens. But, yeah, it's hard, you know, especially when you have so much music and so much talent and uh, so much energy going into it. Uh, but it's not hard in a bad way. It's uh, it's hard in a good way. I know the focus now is, is on the new album and uh, yes. and the tour, but in the back of your So I guess one day we'll, we'll see those, you think? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You'll see them somewhere. It'll yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll definitely come out something, and then it'll be fun. And uh, as right now, I can't even remember what they were. So oh, okay. I'm just so excited about <laughs> so excited about what's happening Friday, and and to see the response and see if people you know really enjoy this. 
Well, if it's like anything other than the like other Seven Dusts, and again, I was privy to hear it. I mean, because it is, it's great. You sound like I, I again. I was transported back in the college listening to Seven Dust oh. uh, on CD Thank in the CD you. player, and no skips. Oh, you know, that's uh, there. You go, man. That makes that means the world to me, brother. And, uh, Thank you for taking the time, and I wanted to say I understand you with that new baby and your mama there. Tell her congratulations, man, and y'all enjoy every freaking second of that, man. That's an angel. That's a blessing from above for sure. Thank you. I'm trying to raise him on radio. Sometimes he's been sitting here. His radio name, Baby Brownstone. Well, we'll see. No way. (laughs) He's already cooler. He's already cooler than everybody else. Right? (laughs) I thought so. (laughs) He's already got the edge, man. (laughs) Thank you. That's awesome, man. Thank you, LeJohn. I really hope we get to do this again. And I hope to see you. Now, where are you living at? I'm in Queens, New York. So I know you're oh, playing wow. in, in Jersey. and uh, Buffalo is the first day. I'll be in Buffalo in a few more days. Oh, well, that tells me you're not from New York because Buffalo is six hours away from me. <laughs> oh, that's not, that's, not too, that's not too bad. But Queens is awesome, man. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, Jersey's Very closer. Cool. You're playing the Stone Pony. So if he's beha- oh, my God, that's right. Yeah, if, if he's behaving. Outside state. It, yeah. It's a, it's a great stage. Sorry. I yeah, and I love the pizza place beside it. I already asked, and they said it's still there, so I'll be there. That's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah, <laughs> you need pizza in the Jersey Shore, man. Well, yes. Thank you, LJ. I hope again. Thank I hope we get to do this again. Hey, you, all you have to do is hit me or hit Kevin up, and I'll make sure that we make it happen. Much appreciated. You take care. Thank you. You have a good. All right, you too, brother. Bye bye. Awesome. A prime example of an interview where I become a bigger fan of the band after the interview. How nice of a guy was LJ John. Uh, just so cool. So Truth Killer is out today as I am posting this interview, uh, July 28th. Too cool. Uh, just really nice to, to speak with him. And I hope to get to do it again. And not much of a six degrees of GNR bacon. I do appreciate that Chris Weber story, which is really interesting. The Hollywood Rose-ish connection. And can you hear, like, can you hear it? I know I have these, like, kind of wacky... Uh, fantasy football kind of you pick your your favorite members of different bands to create a super group but we all do that can you picture and hear LeJohn sing with Slash a very soulful and and I can hear Rod Jackson's voice like just that very soulful but rock voice that seems to really marry Slash's sound so um I, I'm assuming that LeJohn's not going to be on Slash's new blues album because that he would have known that. Um, but I don't know. Maybe Slash puts out another one. Hopefully that, that happens. I think they would be a really cool pair to put together. And speaking of Slash, let's wrap up a certain uh, Richard Fortas, Nuno Betancourt Slash story in Shotgun News. News. So you may be aware, I've spoke about it on the podcast uh, most recently, uh, last episode with Rocco Guarino, and I kind of told him, he was unaware of the story, and uh, I, I told him about it, and if you're unaware, how Nuno Betancourt, in an interview, he mentioned, uh, he was talking about the, his gig with Rihanna, and not how all guitarists, uh, no matter how talented you are, could do that, uh, Like, and he mentioned Slash by name, and how talented he is, but he couldn't play just rude boy he couldn't just stick to the script i guess is what he was trying to say he couldn't just play the song how it's meant to be on the album because you have that leeway when you're in a rock band you hear it with slash you know whether it's the the gnr hits or the the liberty he takes uh doing what he wants to do with the chinese democracy songs 
or whatever. Is that's the kind of guitarist he is. So even when I read that, I didn't take I didn't take it as a shot. As a non guitarist, what do I know? I have no idea. In my head, I'm thinking what Rocco said last episode, where Nuno has a point because it's just not the guitarist Slash is. Sure, is he talented enough and if Slash really wanted to just play second fiddle to a pop star and just play note for note, could he do that? Yeah, he could do that. But he won't do that. That's kind of what Nuno was saying, and that's fine. But headlines are going to do what they do. They're going to make it seem like one person's bashing another, and then the comments go out of control, people having this debate. And debate is fine. That's totally cool. But then I only reported on it when I saw Richard Fortas's response, which I thought was kind of cool. Because I still think back to the days where Richard Fortas, you know, you don't know that the main public doesn't know who the guitarists of Guns N' Roses are. And that, you know, Richard Fortas has been in the band longer than Izzy at this point. But now you got Richard Fortas defending the most famous GNR guitarist, his bandmate, Slash. And how just respectful, to use that word, Richard Fortas was in his response. That he respectfully disagrees and how he literally had the Rihanna gig before Nuno. And of course he plays with Slash now. So he has the, I don't know, he comes with the background, the knowledge of anyone to chime in on this debate and said that if Slash wanted to do it, he could do it. Fine, that's totally cool. And I really just wanted to point that out to... I just thought it was very... Just to see how Guns N' Roses has, have grown as a family, I think. Because Richard didn't need to do that. He doesn't need to defend Slash. What does Slash care? He doesn't give a shit at this point. And, right? Like, he, like what does this mean... To him and from all like you know that him and Nuno seem to be like f- probably friends you know uh, so that came out however and I'm not going to go into it so much because now it's kind of squashed so I will just kind of be bringing up old beef but if you it's still up there on Instagram if you want to see Nuno's response to that which was pretty angry at Richard and was kind of insulting and talking down to Richard like he doesn't know who he is and He's just uh, this guitarist and the, you know, you're, uh, a replacement in Guns N' Roses. Just shots that didn't need to be taken. That's what really bothered me. So I did reach out to try to get Nuno Betancourt on the podcast for uh, a second time. First time did not work out. I was passed on. It happens. I tried to either get Nuno or Gary uh, Sharon a few weeks ago. They passed. It happens. I don't deserve every interview. Um, I try to earn what I earn, but it's okay. But I took this opportunity. I'm like, Nuno is getting a lot of heat. And talking about Guns N' Roses, where better to clear that heat than on the best Guns N' Roses podcast there is. Uh, So why not come on this? So I reached out to the label, and they said they sent it to management. And if they were interested, they would be in touch. And what I just said, I'm like, whatever happens, whether it happens or not, thank you. See, I don't deserve anything. I just say, if it happens, great. If not, okay, moving on. But Nuno probably made the smarter move by going to his Instagram and offering an apology. So here's part of that. What people are saying is a spat uh, between Richard Fortas and I, and it's ridiculous. I'm not that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not interested in this shit. Bottom line is, this is on me. I need to keep my fucking mouth shut. I got asked a question about Rihanna and uh, 
my answer was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Take full, full responsibility for it about playing it and how hard it was and how difficult it is for people to play different fields. I try to make a point, it kind of backfired on me. I do a lot of press and uh, every once in a while, you know, you say stupid shit, you get asked a stupid question. So don't ask me about anybody else. Don't ask me about fucking Rihanna. Don't ask me about Slash or Guns or, or Richard Fortas, who I owe an apology to. Richard, sorry, brother. You had a complete right to uh, defend your bro. At the end of the day, really, uh, I have much respect for everybody. Everybody's got a lane and everybody got a place to do what they do. Whether well, I had heard Richard play before, which I hadn't, it doesn't give me the right to make that comment that I haven't heard a note he played in my lifetime, even though it was true. But it was out of being pissed off. And I think it was just me uh, pissed off in general that I even started this bullshit. Apologies again to Richard. He's obviously a great guitar player. He's playing with guns. He's got to be amazing. It was really dumb of me to even mention that stuff, or especially Slash. I mean, I don't even know why even Slash came out of my mouth during that, other than I was just using it as an example of us rock guitar players. I hope to have a, a beer with Richard sometime soon and, and just have a, have a laugh about it because this is just stupid. If you want to hear the whole thing, it's up on Nuno Betancourt's uh, Instagram, and, you know, it's close to five minutes uh, long, and... I, unlike a lot of celebrity apologies, this one seems just completely sincere. It does. I, I thought it was cool how Richard Fortas, he comments below, yeah, let's grab that beer. The whole thing is completely squashed. And he took ownership of it. If anything, I thought he took, he was a little too hard on himself. I don't think what he said was stupid necessarily. Uh, about Slash, I think it's a topic of conversation. And a great example of that is the last episode I had with Rocco Guarino, who was unaware of this controversy. And I told him what Nuno said and back and forth and everything. And he agreed. He, he worked with Slash on, with Velvet Revolver. And he's like, yeah, Slash isn't that guitarist to play with Rihanna. Could he do it? Is he talented enough? Is he Can he be technically proficient enough to do it? Of course he can do it. He's one of the best guitarists in the world. Will he do it? Is that the kind of guitarist Slash is to play the same songs note for note, day in and day out? No. So Rocco agreed with Nuno. So just conversation. This is fantasy football conversation you know this is sports this is fun this is sandbox stuff it doesn't matter what i took issue with was just again nuno's response to richard's nice response but this apology was really um i think is heartfelt and, and squashed and and if anything uh what the only thing that bumps me out about it is that more uh more downfall with people wanting to talk about Guns N' Roses <laughs> which directly affects me because over the years you've heard me talk about it how people just don't want to come on this podcast because they don't want to talk about Guns N' Roses Bumblefoot he will go on any podcast but re- respectfully won't come on mine because I have a Guns N' Roses theme even though every interview he get he gets asked about Guns N' Roses but too much of the focus would seemingly be on Guns N' Roses from his purview, from his view. I wouldn't do that. I offer, you've heard interviews. Was my entire interview just now about GNR or was it more about Seven Dust? Right? But I get the GNR stuff in there, but some people, they don't get it. The, the bad example that happened recently or a good example, I guess, whatever you, you look at it, was with uh, Josh Todd. I've had him on twice. 
lead singer from Buckcherry. Label reaches out to me again, loves what I do. Uh, and as we're trying to set it up, management denied me because of the GNR theme. Because that makes sense. That makes any sense. So Nuno says, okay, maybe I'm not. Don't ask me about Guns N' Roses. Don't ask me about GNR. Don't ask me about Slash. It's like, man. It's like, yeah, I was rejected for an extreme interview. But I don't know. You never know what could happen years later. Now, whenever. Now there's no point of me ever getting Nuno Betancourt on the podcast. Right? If I can't ask one GNR question, I wouldn't even ask about this at that point. I would ask something, you know, when was the first time you heard Appetite for Destruction? Something safe, you would think, but, but GNR related just for our purposes. So it just sucks. Same thing like what happened when I interviewed uh, Mike Portnoy about what he said 10 years ago, the little back and forth, uh, another back and forth quick nothing spat that he had with, uh, with Matt Sorum at the time about his drum fills on November Rain. And his answer was very thought. You know, thoughtful and thought-provoking, and and Matt Sorum didn't even respond angrily. It was just a, a nothing feud, right? But that gets picked up again, and now uh, Mike Portnoy doesn't want to do like if he does interviews, he doesn't want to talk about Guns N' Roses anymore. <laughs> that sucks. But yeah, like when I had Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden, uh, they the management called me after the fact to take out his very diplomatic answer, his very you know, nothing answer to Axel not wanting to tour with them really in 1988. Ooh, how controversial. What's, what's, what a big deal that is. So this is, uh, if anything, it's going to make it harder for me to get interviews. <laughs> Guns N' Roses, no matter what the question is, no matter what the topic is, it's uh, people want to talk about it all these years later. So that's why it's funny when everyone... Whenever I see comments about, who cares about Guns N' Roses? Nobody cares. Axel should retire. <laughs> people still care. Millions of people are seeing them around the world. Anything mentioned about GNR is uh, turned into a headline, positive or negative. Idiot. <laughs> I've been fighting a lot of uh, online trolls lately. I'm good at it because they all think they're smart. But I know how to talk to these uh, these idiots who think they're they're smart I guess I think that's where therapy has helped me it's just like I talk to them like a therapist like why are you so angry huh who hurt you did Axel really hurt you Axel with an E idiot <laughs> uh, so yeah that is a, a nothing I'm, I'm glad that it's squashed and uh, I don't know, hopefully one day we get to see like a picture of uh, a Richard Fortas and Nuno Betancourt sharing a picture of beer right so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. I just want to remind you the conversation continues in between the broadcasts, Facebook, uh, Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it, Instagram, TikTok. Please follow and subscribe on YouTube. And if you go on any of our social media, um, the, the main link I usually have in the bio is that Linktree link, which has other links to where you can find us. So you can click it. You'll find our social media, uh, iHeart, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, to my spinoff, Appetite for Horror, up there. But on the way, way, way bottom is my Patreon. It's at the bottom because I just, I don't like doing this. I don't do this podcast for clicks. I don't do this podcast for money. 
it's nice. It would be nice to, mo- to get some money now because of baby brownstone and the amount of diapers he goes through. That would that would help. Um, so if you would like to contribute to this podcast, I think I'd set it up right. Tell me if I'm wrong because I'm still I'm not as technically savvy as I pretend to be. But like I think set it up like three dollars a month. I, hopefully, I mean to me, I would like three dollars a month. And not, I would not like to give away $3 a month. $3 is $3. That's what I'm trying to say. So it, you could spend that probably better. But I see people giving me uh, YouTube stars, uh, Facebook stars, uh, you know, just different ways to contribute to the podcast over the years monetarily, even, when, even though I, I rarely ask for it. So I do appreciate it. Hopefully it's an easy way if you would like to do it. And I'll say this. I'm always, I always tried to pay it forward to those loyal listeners so whether it's not if you just donated but if you've been in my inbox for years uh just offering support you know just offering support keeping me going those are the fans i look to first when i try to get a co-host or when i try to do a review i want to pay it forward i want to give you this fun experience that i'm doing i've been doing for seven years and now it's fun bringing, bringing baby brownstone when I can into the fold. I want to raise him on radio. I'll, I'll hold him when he's all twitchy and stuff for certain interviews when it's appropriate. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he'll say his first word on air one day. Absurd. Absurd. Maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fucking crazy? And this was funny because obviously yeah, by now if you listen uh, I use the nickname baby brownstone and there were some listeners that be like you really named him Brownstone? Wow, that's hardcore. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was so against naming him Axel because I didn't want to be on brand. It's a cool name, but it's I didn't want to be that guy. The Guns N' Roses podcast and naming his kid after Guns N' Roses. I just couldn't do it. His name is, is Harrison Rex. Harrison Rex. But I call him Baby Brownstone. That's his radio name. So... If you want to help pay for his diapers and maybe one day his college fund, yeah, just uh, figure out how you can help contribute to the podcast uh, monetarily. I saw this comment on YouTube, and you're absolutely right. It was on the Rocco Guarino episode where, you know, I I love your content and your interviews, dude, but you got to get better lighting and a better camera. You were absolutely right. I'm just using the lighting in my living room. I'm using a camera off my my ThinkPad right now. These are things that cost money. I would like to put money into this podcast because, you know, you spend money to make money. But all my money is going towards my family. You know, little things here and there. Because, yeah, I would put more money into, I I think I still have t-shirts available on redbubble.com. But those are things that I just got to find the time for. I got and, and again money for trying to trying to support a family and believe it or not, I am not Joe Rogan. I am not Howard Stern. There is not a lot of money in radio or podcasting for all of us. This is not my breadwinning. <laughs> I have uh, I have actual jobs that are not this. I've been doing this for fun for seven years. I've been doing it for fun, and this takes time away, but I, I love doing it. I love doing it, and I'm glad that you love listening to it, and thank you for all of those, for all of you who've been here since episode one, and all of you, because I still get messages. I say this a lot, and it's true, because I keep getting new ones of people just finding the podcast, 
and then going back to episode one. So whether you are old or a new Bad Apple, thank you for being here. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.